You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. A slice of city life every Monday. I'm your host, Gregory Day. On today's show, I talk with Todd Mecklem, a Portlander who's twice visited the DPRK, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, North Korea. Now, despite warnings issued by the U.S. State Department, travel to the peninsula is perfectly legal. Todd spoke with us at the PSU campus about the process. So I'll explain how to go to North Korea, but one of the things you need usually is a, at least a double-entry China visa because you have to enter China, and you have to leave and go to North Korea, then you have to re-enter China. But how did you get that, the multiple-entry visa? Actually, that's a good question. We just applied for single-entry visas to China, but they were feeling magnanimous that day, and uh, they just decided... So this is by chance, this whole adventure? There was a lot of chance involved. I knew I was going to Shanghai, so what I ended up doing was leaving my wife there to shop and hang out, and I took the high-speed train to Beijing and sought out their their office in Beijing, and I had never been to Beijing, so this was kind of an adventure. So I actually rode the train there and back in one day, 1,600 miles in a day. takes about 10 hours, 11 hours round trip, and I laid down couple thousand dollars cash and they wrote me a little receipt and that was it i knew i was going a couple months later i flew back there and went to north korea so we're going to concentrate on todd's second visit to the peninsula with his wife and to be frank it's quite a striking tale of humanity between our two continents So I had a great time the first time, and I decided I have to take my wife there. Now, Sue loves to travel, and she can be pretty adventurous. So I signed us up, and she told her family that was kind of interesting. Some were more enthusiastic than others. We decided to take an April trip and go for the Pyongyang Marathon. Now, that's been getting more and more popular with Western runners. They have a marathon, a half marathon, and a 10K. I think some of the... Koreans were impressed that I brought my wife because it's a very family-oriented country. We got a very warm welcome. The Koreans are very warm people, and when you get to your hotel room, there's usually a play card that says, warm welcome, and you'll see that other places. And it's really true, as long as you're respectful. And that's one of the things about North Korea. Now, they're actually... They don't like you to call it North Korea. They don't get angry or anything, but they call it the DPRK. It's the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. So usually when you're there, you're saying DPRK or just Korea. And they they really, it's a small country, and during the war it was nearly destroyed, mostly by Americans. We bombed and napalmed the place just about flat. So in a way it's surprising that Americans can go. Yeah. And I know a lot of Americans, they like, how did you go? Is it legal to go? You know, how is it even possible? Well, it's perfectly legal. Even all the years with the Cuban travel ban, it's been legal to go to the DPRK. But Americans, you are treated a little differently there because 
you have to they do want to be respected um choreo and other tour groups there are other groups that take people in i think there's eight or nine companies now they do tell you before going in that you should be willing to be respectful and to mind your manners and also that several times during the trip you'll be bowing to statues of the previous leaders the deceased bowing. leaders as, as an american you'd be bowing. kim il-sung and kim jong-il oh. so several times yes you're you're before the large statues and you're bowing briefly but they understand and you should understand that you're not swearing fealty to the regime or the country you're just showing respect so as i said i took my wife along to we ran the 10k this was during the pyongyang marathon so we were in one of the largest stadiums in the world and we're out there in the middle with the crowds watching us and then we ran 10k which is six miles through Pyongyang so that's one of the few times you can ever go without your guides and just run through the streets or jog or walk and see buildings not just from the bus window and there were Koreans lining the streets there were even a few groups of westerners who we realized were expats who work there there are some companies that have business there there are some the U.S. doesn't have a embassy but there are embassies. The Swedish embassy takes care of American interests there if anyone gets in trouble, for instance. So we saw Swedish ambassador or embassy workers at the stadium. Uh, there are expats. But as we were running, there were also children and other people alongside, and we had heard of people high-fiving the kids, and sure enough, there were kids that wanted to high-five the foreigners. So at a number of places we were able at a few anyway we were able to run along and high five these little kids and they were having a great time there was one moment though when i'd high fived four or five kids in a group and this older woman she sort of was jogging up and she was smiling to be friendly but she was kind of waving her hands a little and it was clear to me she was like just a little bit like that's enough interaction you know it's still she doesn't know is it proper that, you know, how much interaction are Westerners supposed to have? But um, that's one of the great that's things the about the marathon is because every year there are, I think there were a thousand or more foreigners, Westerners there this year. So every year, at least the residents of Pyongyang see this big influx of tourists. And um, I think that's a good thing. I think they're getting, you know used to seeing westerners and i think that's a good thing now pyongyang that is really booming in a way it would seem that's they you see people with phones there you even see people walking along reading their texts north koreans reading their texts on their phones just like here there's more traffic than two years ago when i went so it is getting more modernized but they're still learning um this second trip, the one in early, in April of 2016, two of the people on our group were was this young Romanian couple. And they had pretty good English, but they were in our group. And they were held up the longest coming in because of this vaping device that they had. And the people that they got 
at customs and immigration had never seen this thing and they were very interested in it. I don't know if they were fascinated by it or worried by it. <laughs> A combination of both, I think. And that just shows you what the difference is. Beijing gets hundreds of thousands of Western tourists and they have vaping parlors there. But in the DPRK in North Korea, they don't... They'd never seen this before, so they finally came through, but with some people with them, with an official with them, and they had to seek out our guides, and the guides <laughs> had to explain the vaping device, and finally the young woman took a couple puffs to show, yes, see? Oh, I see. Enough war and enough conflict. We need trade. We need tourism. If there's going to be change, it'll be from within... And maybe that is a way to help that come about. So next we talked about a spirited debate that took place at the North Korean and South Korean border at the DMZ, Demilitarized Zone, for the Brits called DMZ, and also Todd's philosophy on tourism in the region. And the tour guide at the DMZ is a military officer, in the DPRK military, but he has pretty good English. I've seen him in documentaries. He deals with a lot of the tourists there at the DMZ. And they had quite a little discussion because the American doctor was explaining that we, the U.S., at least used to think of ourselves as a revolutionary country. In some ways, we still do. And we don't think of ourselves as having caused the war or of trying to destroy the north and they were they were having a good back and forth and no one was shutting it down neither side expected to convince the other but there was still a back and forth they published something in the portland mercury mentioning i was going to north korea and i actually got an email from a guy here he's pretty right wing and he pretty much said why are you going your money's going to this evil regime you know it's funding the gulags and I don't see it that way I see it as you know funding actually a couple thousand tourists you know really that's going to fund the hotels the restaurants the gift shops, the new airport terminal, what that's doing is going to help there was a ladybug on me I don't know if that was a North Portland ladybug or a South Portland ladybug but uh, to me that money is going to fund, in my mind the tourist infrastructure and the tourist jobs and if you're critical of the North, okay anyone can wish whatever they want for the North, but to me it can't be a bad thing if there's another industry there and one which is kind of built on the fact that things are calm and you know people who are involved in the tourist trade they're going to want things to be relaxed they're going to want more interaction with the outside world and so it's really it's really about the people the people themselves to me it is about the people because makes sense you know the people there they've been raised in a very different system but then they're smiling and waving 
They're interested in seeing outsiders, a lot of them. And especially Americans. I was talking about how Americans are treated slightly differently. Um, We do have to be a little more respectful because of the war and because of the image of Americans there, which they teach them about us, about the war, about the terrible things that happen. But to me, that's another reason it's so important to go, because the people who meet you, and I tell everyone I can there that I'm an American, because they go home and say, I met an American today, and I'm sure people are like, oh my gosh, you know, what were they like? Did they look like a wolf? Did they, were they cruel? And like, no, it was this really nice guy, this guy and his wife. They're here, they're Americans, they were really friendly, they were nice, they high-fived my kid, they shook my hand. And just like here, when I tell people I met North Koreans, maybe it's opening their minds a little bit. I think, I think, North I think it Koreans. is. I think it is. To me, that interaction is important. The people who would want to just seal it off and shun them, and no contact, and you know, freeze them out until they say, "Uncle, well, that doesn't work. It didn't work with Cuba for fifty years with the travel ban and the embargo, and it won't work with the North." Um, they're there, and. You know, we should, whoever wants to, should go and meet them and talk to them and show them that, you know, we're human beings like them. Smile, ask them questions, talk to them. That's fantastic, man. Thank you for talking with us today, Todd. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. <laughs> and thank you, my dearest listeners, for listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. Now, one more thing that you need to do before you die is subscribe to us on iTunes. It's an absolute must. We are here every Monday. I'm your host, Gregory Day. Have a wonderful one.